Are you ready? Go. It's time, time to separate the men from the boys. boys. Get down to the business of sport right here on the world-famous Ginger's Perspective. Hello and welcome to MMA Uncaged right here on the Ginger's Perspective. And it has been a rather intriguing start to the year in terms of MMA across the globe. We turn our attention firstly to UFC Phoenix and Justin Ferrier, the MMA guru, It was all about BJ Penn's much-awaited comeback after two years. And unfortunately for BJ Penn and the hordes of fans, I mean, I don't think there's anyone out there that doesn't like BJ Penn and admires what he's done for the sport of MMA. But in Yara Rodriguez, he got schooled, I'm afraid, by a younger man at uh, an event that it could prove now to be uh, the, the launch pad for Rodriguez to become a superstar at UFC. It often happens like that. They they give you somebody who was an amazing fighter, former champion, etc., uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion, but they become the gatekeeper. At 37, he really stood no chance. He stood very little chance. And you've got somebody, um, we always say, it's a young man's sport, you've got somebody who's a dynamic striker. Yeah. A young kid, switching stances, throwing kicks like it was a jab. Um, just hard to train for somebody like it. The, the, the new breed. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, especially as you as you say, and just to emphasise the point you make, it is a young man's sport, and and thirty seven, you know, the wounds don't heal as easy. The bones are a little bit more fragile. The muscles take a lot longer to to warm up and to switch on. I completely agree with you. Um, that age is is unfortunately no good. Your body doesn't respond like it should. Uh, Tim Kennedy said it in his in his retirement tweet. He felt like he was in quicksand. He felt good. He felt like he was training hard. He was never unfit, but he felt tired. And that's what happens when you get older. And and you, you've you got somebody in your year, good Rodriguez, that is really dynamic. He does what he wants, like a mini John Jones, really. He did whatever he wanted. But his style, he will get his chance too in 10 years' time when the mileage is high and he's older and there'll be a new, a new upstart coming through. And that's just the fight game. It eats its heroes. That is, if you hang around long enough, you become null and void. Yeah. And that's the sad part about MMA because the promoters will always eat you up. They will always know because they're about selling tickets on that day. They're not about your career. They're not about uh, building you up. And especially now, some the UFC has spent so much time um, focusing on building their brand but not their fighters, making their brand synonymous with good fighting, that they're actually running out of superstars. Yeah. So yes, they've got Connor, but look what's just happened to Ronda. Yeah. Who else? They're trying to build up Cody. What happens if he loses? Yeah, no, you're right. They spent so much time when they bought Pride and they took away the big walkouts. They took away the focus on the fighters. And I understand why, because you want to protect your business. Some fighters, they may not may not be company men and they might say, I want more money for a main event or whatever the case is. It's not that they're not deserving of it. Or, or the, the converse, what happens, if there's an, what happens if there's an injury? Yeah. You've got somebody who, who now is you sold your tickets and now all of a sudden you had one main eventer and now he's injured he's out so they had to be able to have interchangeable people going in and out and still people would want to come and come and watch the fighting yeah but now the it's not that deep anymore yeah you've got a couple of guys that are superstars but not enough 
It's a double-edged sword, though, isn't it, Justin? I mean, if you think about it, yeah, you've got Connor. Look at Ronda and Manda Nunes. They set a record for pay-per-view purchases on the night. So as an organization, you kind of need those superstars and you need an abundance of superstars. And yeah, you run the risk of them demanding what they want um, to fight. But you kind of need one. It's one hand that rubs, washes the other, isn't it? I mean, drawing the fans, keeping the audience there, that means money in your pocket. Make no mistake, that was about Ronda Rousey, not Amanda Nunez. They wanted to watch Amanda Nunez win and beat Ronda, but Nunez doesn't carry the weight that Ronda does. She just happened to be the vessel. It doesn't mean that Nunez is going to be a superstar. Even though she's worthy with a skill set, she's just probably not as memorable as a Ronda Rousey. And that's because... The UFC hasn't, even Joe Rogan said, they haven't put effort into her. Yeah. Because they really should be trying to build fighters. Well, but look, maybe they're being selective and maybe they're choosing people that they think will be on their side. Look, their model has worked so far, their business model, but maybe it's time to take a leaf out of the, the WWE book. You know, I'm not saying that um, that they, they even compare in terms of, of the skills on show or, or the, the, the training that goes into it. But from a point of view that it is the undertaker stone cold steve austin cm punk those are the guys that people came to see not the organization you know what i mean so well it's an interesting the one organization they spend money on marketing and they and they put those names for yeah this is it they they marketed they spend time and, and the ufc kind of has led away from that they don't really they spend a bit of money on a few people but they, they really spent time wanting to be synonymous with good fighting and not building up fighters. Yeah, well, time will tell how, how they go from here. But let's chat about BJ Penn. Um, I know you had an interesting stat about the shots that he's taken. I mean, we talk about Robbie Lawler and, and the amount of mileage he's got under his belt. But BJ Penn is not doing too bad on the mileage stakes, is he? I read something, and I, I wish I could find it again, but it was something like 1,300 significant strikes landed on his head. Wow. Well, on him. Wow. That's, that's unfortunately no good. So there's no brownie points anymore uh, for being tough. It should be a byproduct of add-on, but you can't only be tough. <coughs> Justin, was this worth the 150000 US for BJ Penn? I mean... To come out, yeah, he we we saw, he succeeded. We're talking about him. There were there were thousands of people at uh, fight night in in Phoenix that came to see him. But was it really worth one hundred fifty thousand US dollars in the grand scheme of his career? Absolutely not. It means that if he's running out of money, it means he's been uh, he's been bad with it. And that's why, I, and, I, and, I, and I really, I, I, we'll go back to BJ Penn, but that's. You know, you look at these fighters' unions and they go, even Tim Kennedy mentioned in his tweet, um, he doesn't want anybody to be hungry at the end of their career. And I just think to myself, let's take two people. We earn the same amount of money identically for the same amount of time. But I, ch- I choose to drive a top-of-the-range SUV and spend my money on overseas holidays and having a big party. And you say, I'm going to drive a station wagon, I'm going to pay my house off as quickly as I can and I'm going to have one holiday every two years with my wife and I'm going to have 1.2 kids and I'm going to have a pool, etc. and I'm going to live within my means. Yeah. Why, if I run out of money because I have been reckless, should I be rewarded? Whereas you've worked hard and you have planned for your future. Yeah. 
you, he's got to have a balance. I, I, by no means do I say that they're getting well paid, but the guys should also, there should also be some courses. They should also be like, uh, involve themselves with financial planners, etc. because a lot of these guys live for the moment. You look at somebody who made millions, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Nothing. He chose to spend it on his wife and his wife's mother, whatever the case is. And tigers. But he had more money than you and I could think about. <laughs> and he ended up with nothing and then he had to make it back again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, but the debate will rage on that it just comes down to personality, you know, uh, what the type of fighter has in mind. Um, because as BJ Penn said in that, in that build-up to the event, I'm not meant to sit behind a desk. I'm meant to fight. And you look at it... <laughs> And doesn't it come down to who you kind of surround yourself with? So you can have a fighter who wants to drive the top of the range SUV and he wants to do holidays, but surely he's got to have a good team around him, almost like a, a coach, a mentor type role, a fatherly role that says, no, 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 Justin, you know, you can go on holiday every two years. You know what I mean? I, I completely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. Because some of these fighters, you've got to be a little bit crazy to fight. We know this. And these guys are superstars and they want to live fast etc unfortunately they don't die young like james dean so they live to wrap all that because they're nice and fit and strong and yeah. then they end up running out of money yeah and going back to bj penn i don't think it was probably listen that's what they disclosed their purses at it was probably close to eight or nine or ten times that with sponsorships etc and endorsements or whatever the case is but i don't think money was i don't think money was about that i think bj penn's a wealthy man i think he's he, he made a lot of money, and I think he lives a fairly simple life. The problem is he's got a hunger inside him to compete. And who are we to tell him any otherwise? Yeah. But I just, it wasn't nice to see because he was outclassed. He was what you saw, and, and I think Brendan Sharp said it, and in, in, they, they do a podcast where they actually watch the fighting, and they just say, and, and he just said, this is not Matt Hughes. And you... BJ Penn was very good when everybody else was average. Sure. I know Matt Hughes was very good. Don't get me wrong there. But he was a one-dimensional fight. He was a wrestler. There was no two ways about it. He had submission wrestling. Yeah. He was not switching stances and throwing head kicks and spinning wheel kicks and things that are coming 100 miles an hour at your head. He wasn't yeah. like that. He wasn't dangerous. You knew what he was going to do. He was going to grind you down. Yeah. That's what, he was. That's what his job was. And even in the warm-up with BJ Penn, you know, the guys, they sort of throw like shadow combinations to see themselves, to keep themselves warm and, and to, to, to look good on the camera when they get when they get panned to. But it was just one-dimensional, old-school boxing. And it wasn't even good boxing. It was like brawling, like, like pub brawling. And it was just sad to see because Yair, uh, Yair Rodriguez nullified the striking completely and yeah. stayed away from the jiu-jitsu because the truth is if, if BJ if he tried to jits BJ he was going to get subbed because yeah. BJ is amazing. He, is amazing he really is unbelievable on the ground but he didn't he yeah. was very careful when he when he knocked him down to pass to side control so that he took away BJ's danger and it's sad to see your hero fall like that yeah and that's partly his ego um, and partly the people around him not telling him hey but then again, you look at it again, and we also said, you know, his coaches probably said, well, he's going to fight anyway. BJ Penn's probably the type of guy that's going to go, well, bugger you, I'm going to fight whether you like it or not. Yeah. So his coaches probably thought, well, if you're going to go to war, let's give you as many bullets as we can. Exactly. So if you're going to do something anyway, 
let's at least get you the most prepared you could be. Yeah, regardless. But still, man, there's got to be somebody that you look up to that can say, hey, boy, come here. Stop being silly yeah. now. Yeah. Because you can only damage your, your career. There's no good. $150,000 in the greatest scheme of your, of your career is absolutely nothing. No. All right. Uh, we've got to we've got to mention um, also the fact that Cyril Asker pulled off uh, a surprise result, and good for him, uh, the former uh, EFC champion in the UFC. Now, I mean, uh, it just shows that some of these guys get there, and when the opportunity presents itself, they can get a W. That's great for South Africa. It really is. Um, he became champ and then left, and. You know, if he went there and got beaten up and got chased away, it's not a really good reflection on South Africa, but he's doing well in the UFC, which is a good reflection on us. It shows that we're getting there. Yeah. It's showing us that we're knocking on the door of being world-class. That's you it. Know? And by I say that, we do have world-class athletes, but world-class athletes are not necessarily the norm. They're not the standard. So we've got standouts, but we don't necessarily have a room full of them. Definitely. Uh, a country full of them. So this is showing that we're getting there, which is great steps for us. Yeah, the Silverback uh, making his name in uh, the lights at UFC. Now, unfortunately, this week, uh, Michiel Oppermann testing positive for a banned substance. It's never nice to see, but uh, what what I do enjoy about the EFC here is that they're taking a stand. They're listening to SAIDs in Cape Town, the South African Institute for Drug-Free Sport, and, and, and they're going, you know what, at the end of the day, you taking something, we catch you. You've got to pay the penalty, and 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 it is a, it's a a standard that has to be set if we want to continue seeing guys going from an EFC to a UFC and being well respected because the EFC is is moving with the times. Absolutely, and and kudos to the EFC because they lost a massive main event. So, you know, it's okay if you lose an uh, 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 an undercard fighter. Not that it's okay. Um, but to lose a main event, and Michiel is a big name. And he he is. A former champion. Yep. He beat the, the current middleweight champion in a huge way. So to lose that event, that main event, is a, is a, is a big data. And the fact that they followed through it is great. So kudos to, to EFC, and they, they're putting their money where their mouth is, and, they, and they're staying true to what they believe in. Yeah, that's true. I think they have to make a stand. I know there's rumors, uh, big news coming at the EFC, so hopefully we'll be able to give you more uh, on that. But uh, there is good news for the EFC coming up. I reckon Tuesday next week we should know exactly uh, what that news is. But it is exciting times for MMA in South Africa. Um, in terms of, of the year ahead, I know that we've got Boyd Allen in action against Cabessa, former teammates or current teammates. We're not quite sure. Justin, that should be a fascinating fight, though. Former teammates. Um, Igor moved across to Brendan Katz uh, and is taking over a wrestling side of the gym. Uh, that's a tough fight because Boyd Allen is class and so is Igor. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, they're both dynamic fighters, and that really will be hard to call. So yeah. let's hope that stays injury free and everybody stays focused and stays training hard, and we get the best out of the the best the best of, out of the both two fighters. Yeah, I, I was confused there because I did see uh, Cabeza when when he won when he successfully defended his title, he ran across to to the guys at FightFit. So it's obviously just uh, you know thanks very much for for the journey, I suppose. But you're right, former teammates fighting each other this year, and also don't forget 209 UFC before we wrap up. It's uh, Tyron Woodley against Wonderboy. Stephen Thompson 
two. That is going to be a cracking event. And of course, you've got your man, Nurmagomedov, going up against Ferguson. So that's something to look forward to. March the 4th, UFC 209. That's going to be a cracker fight. Um, I, I think Nurmagomedov is going to walk it. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion. I'm obviously a little bit biased because I think he's great. <laughs> we'll but just, goes, just going back to Boyd Allen Eagle Kamisa, yeah. it shows that you do not have to be angry with each other to fight each other. This is a business at the end of the day. They can yeah. because they are both gentlemen. They are. Those are both very, very nice people. And it shows that you don't have to be angry. They don't have to 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 throw to sling mud at each other. And I don't, I, I don't think they're going to chip each other. I think it's going to be a fair contest. And I think there's going to be half halves all around. I think there's no going to be no enemies. Yeah. And I love the fact that Igor ran across to to. Uh, to Richie Kwan and, and the FFM guys because he paid respect to what was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Shows the true character of the man. He, he, Absolutely. Lots, lots coming up uh, in MMA in 2017. We're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for listening to MMA Uncaged right here on the Ginger's Perspective. Remember to go out to the website, csduplicy.co.za to catch the podcast as well as on iTunes. Look for the Ginger's Perspective and on cliffcentral.com. So lots of options. And I know more and more people listening to the podcast. And uh, so far, Justin, the feedback's great. So um, we'll continue to, to bring you the, the best that we possibly can right here on MMA Uncaged.